Okay, kids, it's time for another episode of the Fueled by Weird podcast, the only podcast able to leap tall buildings in a single bound. I'm Chris Daly, and today I have the pleasure of chatting with publisher for Wicked Tree Press, Jessica Mason. Jessica, how are you this morning? I'm doing wonderful. Um, I'm excited to be on the show and to talk to you about hopefully some monsters and Mary Shelley. So yeah, <laughs> thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for coming by. And yeah, we're excited to talk monsters today too. Um, so I'd like to start things off with an icebreaker question. So I'm, I promise it's not going to be too too tough. Um, well, I usually say that, but then it ends up being pretty tough. So <laughs> um, if you were given the choice to have somebody narrate your life, who would you choose? Oh, David Attenberg, girl. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> not tough, not tough at all. Um, I I just adore him and adore his voice. So yes, nice. I don't know if it's appropriate, but I I like hey. it's it's calming at least, soothing. Reassuring. That works. <laughs> yeah, I think um I would pick Keith David. I oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he has incredible voice. I could listen to him for hours. That would oh, that's cool. Yeah, I like it. All right, so with fueled by weird, um the concept is basically you know the stuff that you're interested in the stuff you do when you're not doing you know work or you know everything else you're doing that's the stuff that fuels who you are the stuff that fuels your weird so what's what's something that that helps fuel your weird um i would say this that i mean it's kind of also related to david a little bit i go into nature i oh, nice. i'm into nature i like to hike i like to think about the natural world i like to read articles about it and so science I think science feels my nice. weird in general it's not just nature it's just science um I think if in another calling I would have been a scientist um so that definitely feels my weird um I think that's the probably the number one which makes sense probably because I do sci-fi and horror but <laughs> very cool. um, that is yeah that is like that that's kind of my uh side gig I hike every day and um oh nice yeah not like crazy hiking guys I'm not bragging sure. I just like hike with my dog <laughs> sure yeah very cool uh well um you mentioned that you're a sci-fi writer and a horror writer what's what was it that inspired you to start writing in the first place um god I you know I have to say it's probably um all the reading I did as a child and my mom was really into science fiction um which was weird at the time I guess for a lady to <laughs> be into sci-fi but um she was always sure. reading a different sci-fi book um I always watched a lot of horror old horror with my family um and I think that kind of propelled me into be in, being interested in in those things and then um I guess the first thing I ever wrote was a in eighth grade was a newspaper article like school paper article about D&D &D. Um, I was raised pretty religiously and everyone kept saying Dungeons and Dragons was like the devil game. And I just couldn't understand why that was the devil game. And so I had a bunch of friends who played it. And so I interviewed them all and wrote this whole article about whether it was evil or not. <laughs> so I guess that kind of stuff fuels my weird too. And that propelled yes. me into enjoying writing. My teacher told me I was good at it, which always helps. Um, and yeah. then I started writing short stories shortly after. So very cool. Yeah. Um, so I was doing some research and I saw that you've contributed to a couple of the Cthulhu's hard to spell books. Yes. Russell, Russell's a fantastic guy. I love that guy. Yeah. Yes. Um, so, um, you know, you've got the stories for Cthulhu's hard to spell. You've got your series plastic girl. And then of course, Mary Sherry, Mary Shelley's school for monsters. Sorry. It's so early. Yeah, I understand. <laughs> um, where, where do you get your ideas from? 
Um, well, usually I hear something in the news, I read some article, I read a story and I'm like, what is that creature or what is that? It's usually something I've read that sparks an idea in my head. And um, like with Plastic Girl originally, um, uh, it was a short story that was kind of like the blob, like, cause I always love the blob from the sci-fi yeah. movies. And it was more that the, I read an article about the plastic in the ocean. This was way back um, before I ever wrote the trilogy. And I just started thinking, well, what if this plastic started globbing together and became sentient? And then it became sentient and it became angry at its creator, us, because we created garbage and it's hurting everybody. And it's mad that it's hurting everybody. And then it, it goes into this big thing. And then I was like, well, that was a fun story to write, right? I wrote it. I didn't do anything with it. And then years later, I was raising my daughters and I was like, oh, I have a better idea about this plastic creature, you know? And then that's where uh, Plastic Girl came into. So it usually comes from some kind of article I've read and then just a weird take on it. Um, for Mary Shelley, um, I was really thinking during the pandemic, I had been reading about Mary Shelley and I always was in, kind of intrigued about how you know, well, touched emotionally about how she lost her mother. She never met her mother. She died right 12 days after she gave birth to her. And she used to go to the graveyard and read her mom's feminist, you know, books uh, by her mm -hmm. mother's grave. And I'm like, to me, that was like such a physical, visceral, supernatural way for a daughter to try to connect to her dead mother. And I got kind of like just thinking about that moment in the graveyard. And um, it really just something I was like, oh, what if this is the moment she sees a a cult she comes in contact with a cult mad scientist for real um there's a book of the dead the necronomicon she goes into this mausoleum he's trying to raise this creature like the monster in frankenstein and so instead of frankenstein being completely fabricated it being like what mary shelley said it was a vision it was a she always liked to say it was a vision it was you know something she saw in a flash yeah. and maybe it was a repressed repressed memory that she actually had and it was based on this moment and so she goes in the mausoleum she touches this book of the dead and it splits her into two parts the one that goes on to write frankenstein and who thinks that was all like a bad you know she hits her head at that was a bad dream a bad moment in her life and then the one that is the monster version that stays with the book stays with the mad scientist who goes on to be our main character, Shell, who goes on to rescue monsters and kind of live forever and have a little bit of a grudge against her actual human self, but <laughs> for leaving her in this dark mausoleum. But, you know, it and it and it's just kind of playing with what the themes that Mary Shelley played with um, in, in my way, you know, and um, yeah, so I don't know. Sometimes I'm just they just come to me, but <laughs> they're weird. But yeah, so different ways like that. And and then sometimes like with Cthulhu, there's given, they, they give a theme and I do research and whatever kind of catches my interest while I'm doing the research, usually. Well, that's perfect. And, yeah. you know, a lot of the most interesting ideas, at least to me, are the ones that come from a weird place. Just, you know, you just you have this completely off the wall idea. Then you're like, well, maybe that's a little bit too crazy. But then, you know, if you <laughs> just kind of embrace the idea and go with it, usually it ends up somewhere really awesome. Yeah. So that's that's cool that you just you didn't let the inner editor thoughts take over and just let it go, because that that's where I think the most interesting stories come from. Um like your idea with um, Plastic Girl with the blob in the old classic monster movies. And that yeah. myself, I'm not a huge fan of horror, but you know, I'm I'm into the the older classic crazy stuff like the big monsters or yeah. like the um universal monsters. I really like the universal monsters a lot. So that's that's kind of why I, I navigated toward this book because I really thought it was interesting. 
um, especially your take with having the ideas not just be uh, like a bad dream, but an actual thing that happened. Because, you know, if you think about it in that terms, it's like, you know, every story that's ever happened, you know, it came to me in a dream, like, well, maybe it actually did happen. You just don't remember. Yeah. So I thought that was a really cool take on it. Yeah, thank you. I yeah, I think our memory is such a fascinating thing. Like, you can't yeah. trust you can't really trust it, um, yeah. which is uh, horrifying in itself. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. you, 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 yeah, you base your whole reality on your memory. So the minute that is into question. I mean, that's not mm -hmm. necessarily what Mary Shelley is about, but I find sure. that whole I find that whole fascinating, like that whole idea fascinating. Like when I think back on my childhood, you think back on all your memories and the ones you decide to be the, the, the ones that you decide to make core. I mean, I don't know if you decide mm -hmm. or your brain decides, but yeah, it's like how much can you trust that memory? And some people are like 120% that I, the way I remember it is reality. And some people are like, you know, and that those kind of people, I, 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 I it's hard to talk to them because, you know, you can't, yeah. we all had a different experience of a moment. So, yeah. And then if you actually don't remember something, that's a lot of horror movies are made about that too, that repress, even though, I mean, repressed memory, you gotta be careful with because. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, especially I, well, cause I grew up when I grew up, there was that scare, you know, um, it was the satanic scare basically was going on, you know, and that was mm -hmm. it applied to the D&D, &D, but it also applied to daycare centers, you know, like these sat wow. satanists were like abusing your children in daycare. And, you know, they were like uh, interviewing these toddlers, like, and just messing with their memories, like whether or not they actually, you know, and it became this whole thing. I mean, it, it wasn't crazy, but I do yeah. remember it and going, God, you can't even, you know, you can shape someone's memory too. You can change, especially at a young age, you can convince them that that's the way something happened or didn't happen. And that's nuts. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's scary. I mean, I've the satanic panic. That's what you're talking about, right? Yeah. Well, Stranger Things kind of plays around with it. And yeah. yeah. So brought it back. But definitely, I remember being fascinated by it. Um, I wasn't I, I was a little fascinated by like all my stuff. I was like researching when I was a kid was like, well, not a kid, but like teenager was kind of like yeah. what gets cults it's probably coming from a religious background like what what gets people so into cults what gets them so into believing this hysteria like you know people jump into hysteria really quickly or group um group not hypnosis but group think where the reality they all kind of can convince themselves that you know there's a haunting or convince themselves that this guy's the god you know <laughs> and it's just, yeah or in that group so i'm very that's i find that fascinating i haven't written anything about that yet but it is definitely something I'm fascinated in so yeah that's cool and you know I I was familiar with the satanic panic with you know everyone being freaked out about D&D &D and how it's of the devil but yeah. I never heard that about the daycare part that's that's interesting I'm gonna yeah I think I might want to look more into that because that's that's interesting I didn't know yeah. it went that far it was probably not as big as the D&D &D, but it definitely yeah. it was existing and I remember a few like they were like investigating these daycare workers and stuff that they had been abusing their children and it was just you know I don't know what it was I don't think it there, there ended, ended up being anything beneath it you know it was just yeah. ruined, ruined people's lives <laughs> yeah because you know you had it with D&D &D, you had it with yeah. you know, different different uh genres well not different genres of music but different musical artists yeah, you know that was kind of thing. That's that's interesting though that it kind of stretched that far. Um, that's very interesting. Um, Soft topic a little bit. <laughs> yeah, hey, and that's and that's okay. Yeah, we we uh, we don't really stick to any kind of a, oh, a super strict topic here. We're kind of tangents are are more than welcome. 
good. Um, good. So I know you're getting ready to go to San Diego Comic-Con. Have you been before? I have been um, as a professional, like I walking around, I've um, participated in a panel there. Um, no, but I haven't had a, been like done the booth and done the whole whole thing. Um, so I've probably been to Comic-Con like six or seven times, but this will be my first time just jumping all the way in. And um, I'm partnering on a booth with Russell, who's going to be focusing on the Cthulhu anthologies. And so I'll be in Geo3 um, with him. And um, yeah, I'm pretty excited. I've got two panels that aren't, I mean, I don't know if the schedule is totally confirmed yet, but I'm going to do my, um, I've done this one probably three times now. It's like a cre creation to concept and it's a collection of writers and different, different writers from different genres. And we let the audience, we kind of do an intro and let the audience ask questions about writing. So it's like really, um, it's actually fun. It's very interactive um, and good for like, if you're first you're writing and you have some questions about different ways to go. Um, I find that one to be super enjoyable. Um, and then I'm excited because I'm doing another one um, with a really great group of women um, about Mary Shelley and her contemporaries and horror, gothic horror. And that's going to be on Friday. And um, we're going to be just discussing like how it still inspires today's writing, today's pop culture, these, um, but there was like three or four other female authors at the time during, uh, at, um, during Mary Shelley's time who aren't as famous as her, but had just as like um, influential works, you know? And so we're going to kind of talk about that. And I'm excited for that one too. So. That's awesome. We'll yeah. definitely make sure you tell Russell I say hello. I will for sure. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> um, so going back to Mary Shelley, um, <clears throat> when you were coming up with the book, how did you decide what monsters you were going to include in at least this first book? Well, I had so part of what I want to do, what I've always been fascinated about, I've read a lot of mythology and monster stuff, is that um there's just certain monsters or characters that I always feel like there needs to be more to their story. Like it feels like they got the short end. Um, it a lot of mythology women characters, like they get punished for some guy liking them or, you know, they get punished for something ridiculous. Um, or, you know, like in, with, and that's like why I knew Medusa had to be in it as one of the team members. Um, she, um, she is Medusa. I didn't just make her a Gorgon and I'm telling a different version of her. Her backstory is different than the one that we know. That's a little creative license, but um, yeah. yeah, I just didn't, um, I'm not going to tell it right now because it's in the future books, but uh, right. um, I wanted to give her a different ending. I didn't, that was part of it. I want to give some of these monsters a different ending because I don't, didn't like the ending. And yeah. I guess that's part of being a writer. You can play God like that. Um, and then with La Llorona, I always loved her story. <clears throat> I haven't loved any adaptation yet of anything I've seen about La Llorona. Um, and I always feel like she just is presented, she's tragic and she, um, you know, she is this wailing woman. She's cursed for all eternity because she drowned her children um, in real life. And I wanted I was like, well, what leads a woman to drown her children? Like whenever I see a news story and a mother has killed her children, I'm like, where, how many steps of society failed that person before yeah. that happened? Like women don't, I mean, women don't just drown their children. They might have postpartum. They might, which is a, can be a psychotic break. They can be under a lot of mental health stress. Like there's just a lot going on. Like I'm sure yeah. there's some evil, just ultimate evil women who drown their children. But <laughs> like usually sure. I think there's a societal breakdown for why that happens. And um, I just wanted to tell a little bit more of her story and give her a slightly different ending. Not that I think it was okay for her to drown her children, but 
right. maybe as a monster, she doesn't have to be cursed for all eternity for something that wasn't all the way her fault, you know? And, um, yeah. and so I kind of wanted to just give a little bit more depth in to those monsters, not a black and white look. So very, since it is kind of a middle grade, you know, light YA, uh, you know, I think it's all ages. I enjoy it. I'm, but like, yeah. if you're going to target it as a group, I guess that's where you would target it. And, um, the, you know, I, it does have the Anna's wonderful art and cartooning, you know, and manga kind of influenced style, but then it's yeah. like, you can deal with the trauma, the underlying trauma of these monsters. And it is important that they all have a little trauma because Mary Shelley was full of trauma and, yeah. um, and her trauma is important in the story. Like just abandonment in general, um, was a big theme for her be, by her, in whether or not she was ever fully abandoned, but like cast away by society because maybe of her own choices. Um, and, and just like how that, you know, how that plays into everybody. And so when the monster rescuers are going out, they're on a mystery, they're solving a mystery, they're having a fun, like Scooby-Doo-esque Buffy kind of adventure, but they are also trying to help fix the monster that they're rescuing. Like at least send them on a path that's a little healthier. Like they can't absolve them. They're not absolving them. They know they did the evil thing, but it's like, where can we go from there? So that's why La Llorona was picked. That's why Medusa was picked. Uh, Will, who is a wisp, was picked because I love wisps and I have to have one. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Frank, uh, Frank is a, is a cool character. He, uh, he, they, he's a he, they. Um, yeah. And th they are like, obviously um the inspiration for in my story they are the inspiration for frankenstein's monster in her book but yeah. the real one the real one and totally a different vibe you know and um and a different style and i just had i had to because i i love that monster so mm -hmm. <laughs> well that's awesome because yeah. you know um so i also have girls um yeah. they're a few years apart um, my oldest, when she was little, I don't know if you've heard of Monster High before. Yeah, love Monster um, High. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I I learned way more about Monster High than most people know. Um, and then she kind of got older and got out of it. Now I have a younger daughter who's getting into it, and they're kind of rebooting the series now yeah. to be a little bit different than it was originally. And the the character that's based off of Frankenstein, or that's Frankenstein's daughter they now refer to her as a, as a they, them, which, they, them, yeah. which, you know, makes perfect sense because, you know, Frankenstein's made up of a bunch of different parts. We don't know if they're yeah. male or female parts. So that makes perfect sense. And I really like how, you know, in most takes of Frankenstein, Frankenstein's this big lumbering monster, but your take, you know, Frank's just a regular normal size person, which mm -hmm. I thought was interesting, but I really liked that though, just because, you know, Frankenstein's not always the big lumbering monster, just, you know, that's just the way that, like you mentioned, you know, the memory, you know, yeah. is, is of um, Medusa. I liked, I loved your take of Medusa, I have to mm -hmm. say. Okay. Um, my wife is a big fan of of Medusa as a character as well. And when I showed her like, hey, look at this version of Medusa, she thought it was fantastic. Oh, great. Um, Good. I really like how you kind of made her the techie. Being a an IT guy myself, I really <laughs> thought that was cool. Yeah. Um, do you have plans to introduce other monsters into the into future books? Yes. So um, we're doing book two right now. And okay. uh, so we already have we have two new monsters. Um, I can't tell you what they are yet. That, that's OK. That's OK. <laughs> um, we are um, we are going to Japan. So I can tell you that. Um, oh, nice. And 
so the you know yes and they aren't they're not always um so every book will have new monsters and they're either being rescued or they're part of the mission so or they have been rescued and now are part of the mission or okay. they're part of shell and frank's past that involved dr m because in each like the way the books are working or the way that we're doing it is that there's an um the prologue which is the back in time part that tells you like 200 years ago what happened like how shell and frank met in the first book and met, came in contact with dr m the their big bad that's their big bad is dr m he's inspired loosely by like uh dr moreau i'm mm -hmm. um, very loosely very loosely <laughs> inspired okay. by that um and and so the he's the more arch villain uh with the you know take over the world kind of mentality um whereas other villains in it are a little bit more nuanced but the uh um so so the so what we do is we do a single issue of just that prologue and it um for each one so we did it in the call it origins and so the first origins was out we did a kickstarter for it and that one is just a comic-con exclusive that's just a exclusive that at events and for kickstarter um and that kind of tells you the like what happened 200 years ago and for each book there's going to be a prologue in that comic that that origins so origins 2 will come out and that that tells you what's happening to lead up to our present day issue with this this arch villain right um and so um that's where so and that's what so in book two we will be learning the next step of this the story and then the next monster rescue thing which is a little bit more maybe personal for shell this time and um yeah and so it it's a uh, so i'm excited about the two new monsters i'd love to share them with you but i can't quite yet that's, that's okay. um <laughs> but we will have two new ones and the the goal is because we are focusing the books right now are currently focused more on the missions like the x-men missions yeah. versus the actual school right now the school is a place it is a place there it's like their headquarters um but as the stories as we add new monsters and new students then um the school component will evolve in the story you know what i mean but right yeah. now I'm, I'm more into the let's go there they are the school has its purpose it's a sanctuary they train monsters how to operate more safely in society um and just like deal with whatever personal issues they have but it's definitely i guess i should have called it a rehab center or something i don't know <laughs> but you know it's definitely a school and there yeah. will be but that part isn't the main focus right now yeah right now you're in the recruitment process of of enrolling yeah. students yeah and there are students and you ha will have scenes yeah. and you'll see the students it's just um a lot of times it's like you start at the school and then we're like oh we have a mission we got to go on it and then we go on the mission and and that usually takes up most of the comic because I only have so much money sure. <laughs> or I would love to hang out in the school all day long but yeah so you know but and I, you, I, they I, go out on the mission and they may or may not come back with a new student yep that's it depends on how that monster feels about coming back so awesome not so, I mean, they don't force them to come back that's yeah, yeah sure yeah. sure sure um so um is kind of the idea of just you know mary and frank and the team or excuse me shell and the team going out and kind of giving these monsters like a not really a happy ending but helping them kind of resolve um not really unfinished business but kind of giving them kind of a, a closure to whatever mm -hmm. whatever trauma or issue they're going through yes it in and it ideally it's like you're not just rescuing them from the evil human who is abusing them or using them but also you're um in in a lot of the cases getting them out of what the curse that they're in like because they've been cursed um 
for whatever happened in their human life. Not all of them. This is just for some of the monsters. Sure, but sure. Um, for this one in the first book, yes. Like she's been cursed. She's not only she's been kidnapped and sucked into this video game and trapped by this video game program, by this technology that our team doesn't know how this woman has it or how yeah. she's using it. Um, they have to get her out of there but and th and release all the children that are trapped in there with her. But they also, as they get into it, they're like, oh, she's she's got some more issues like how do we how do we get her uncursed from this like hasn't she been punished enough for her deeds like why does she have to keep being this evil thing that she doesn't want to be like she's kidnapping she had like every kid she comes into contact comes into her comes with her is attached to her and she takes it yeah. away from their home and she doesn't want to do that that's not like like that that's it very the anti that's the total opposite of what la llorona is and um and she's just being forced to live that out like every single day of her whole eternity. So Shell thinks that's very unfair. Yeah. <laughs> and and so so yeah, the idea is that eventually you are trying you 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 set, set something slightly you you course correct just a little bit with that. That's the idea. You get a so, little course correction. So kind of not only are you saving them from the evil, they're saving the character from themselves. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. I yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. And and the ending you gave for for Lalia Rona, I I thought that was wonderful. I loved that. It was oh, so thank you. It was so good. So mm -hmm. anyone who's a fan of classic monsters, anyone who's a fan of this kind of stuff, definitely should take a look at it. I know as soon as I get my my physical copy of it, I'm gonna let my daughter read it because she's she's very, very excited. Oh, cool. cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you know, you mentioned that this was on Kickstarter and it did incredibly well. Um, the art, the art was amazing. The story is very well written. Um, this isn't your first Kickstarter, but this, I think it said this was your second one. Yes. How I've never gone through the process myself. I know I have a lot of friends that have done it. Um, and I've heard that it's, that it is definitely a, a task. Um, what, yes. what is your experience mm -hmm. doing a Kickstarter? <laughs> well, as I told you, I had some health issues this last couple weeks, and sure. I think it might have been directly related to that. I, I've um, heard that's not uncommon. Yeah, I was. Um, I I the first Kickstarter I did in October was for the Origins, which was mm -hmm. this this book, and it was my intention only to do that one. And my goal, my I had planned. I watched Kickstarter a long time. I'd participated in three Kickstarters as a anthology member. Like I, um, the two Cthulhu ones and the Nightmare Theater. So I had participated in that way with Kickstarters before. And I've just been watching a lot of the guys and gals that I think are really great at it. That's why that's my school, like figuring out how to do it. Yeah. And then uh, I decided I was going to do it because I think horror and comics has just a really great community on Kickstarter. And I, I would be mortified to miss them because I'm part of it. Sure. <laughs> And so um, I decided to do the Origins comic, which was smaller because that was a little less intimidating. And um, I had a blast doing that one. Um, did pretty good on that when we raised like over $6,000 and had 214 backers. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. And, you know, that gave me, yeah, it was, it was a little nerve wracking because I had to like, I spent a couple, three or four years in general building up a mailing list, um, which is a whole nother thing, um, which yeah. I think is imp important if you're going to do a Kickstarter or at least like a social media following. My social media following is not my strongest suit. So like I have the newsletter and um, it it showed me that I could do it, which was good. And I had a lot of fun. I did a lot of quirky things like I had a 
I had stickers, pins, um, soundtracks, like, you know, giveaways and perks and everything like that. Um, So that was great. And the fulfillment wasn't too hard either. I had a good time doing that. This last one um, was really great, but I hadn't planned on doing it. So I was a little more last minute about it. Um, And that's, I mean, and I thanks to credit to Russell. He gave me a hard time because I wasn't doing it. He's like, why are you not doing it? (laughs) And then I came home. I go, I go, I think, you know, I think Russell's, you know, I was, I knew he wasn't wrong. You know, like when he calls you on something, you're like, maybe I'm wrong. I should do it. Cause I was just going to do the single issue origin ones. Yeah. And so then I said, all right, I'm going to do it. And, um, it was, it was great. It is a time. It is not like easy. You know, there's the preparation is one step, you know, then the actual Kickstarter is very intense. Um, and I did have Blake, um, Morgan or from Buzzfeed help me on my campaign this time, which was nice just to have another person, yeah. um, buzzing around, you know, um, (laughs) and helping me kind of just, uh, do some things that, you know, I just wouldn't have had time to do myself. And, um, so he was a great support, um, great cheerleader. And, you know, he was, he was working on the campaign. So he was, he's, he's incredible at that (laughs) stuff. Yeah. And, uh, just keeping the energy going and, um, and then it's just all the details, you know, you're, you're doing a metal print. You gotta make sure you get the art. You gotta do that. It's, it it is a lot. And for me, luckily I have this, this particular book is finished that I just did on Kickstarter. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's just a matter of getting the final copies from the printer and um, the vinyl. Um, and then there's one we like, I mean, I have all the stuff. We have the pins, you know, we got everything made and done. Nice. Um, it's just waiting back. The vinyl book plates were both Anna and I are both signing. So I had to mail them to Poland. They're, she's in, wow. they're in, they finally got to her. It took longer than I thought. And she's going to try to sign them this weekend and get them back to me. Nice. So, you know, I wanted to mail out in July. I didn't promise July. I wanted to mail out in July. Um, it's going to be August, like I promised, because the, I don't think the book plates will be back in time. Um, sure. But we have everything else. So that's good. And, and so then you have to fulfill it. And that's a whole other thing. But I think because I ended up going on vacation while it was running at the same time, like I go on a family trip every year, um, which is just because I planned it a little late. And so I was behind. Um, that was very stressful. So you have to be careful. You gotta, you gotta be careful. Like just, it can be very intense and you don't realize how much you're on your computer, how much you're focusing on it. And I didn't even realize I was that stressed out until I was like realizing my body started telling me how stressed out I was. (laughs) Yeah, I bet. Yeah. And I was doing other things too. It was just too much and, um, and it's fine, but yeah, you do with Kickstarter, you have to like, and, and shows and anything like, listen to your body and um and it'll tell you when you're doing too much <laughs> yeah, eventually sure. eventually it will for sure yeah so yeah if you don't listen it'll definitely have a way to make you listen <laughs> yeah yeah that's what for happened sure. that's what yeah. happened yeah. oh man yeah well, I'm, but... glad, I'm glad you're doing better thanks yeah yeah i'm okay sure. i'm okay <laughs> good i'm glad yeah all right well you've got san diego comic-con coming up um, you've mentioned you've already started work on book two. You know, what mm-hmm. else what else is coming that you can talk about that you've got coming down the pike? Well, let's see. So I with eradication, um, that's book three of Plastic Girl. Um, I dropped the ebook um in June, the same time I did the Kickstarter, which was the other reason I was very stressed out. <laughs> um, and that was accidental too. Um, the hard cop, the hardcover and paperback will be coming out in the fall. Um, and then that trilogy is complete. I do have a fantasy um 
and it's a middle grade as well, a middle grade uh, fantasy book that I actually wrote before Plastic Girl and Mary Shelley that I'm returning to. So that will be coming soon. Oh, nice. Um, and then I have I'll be at the as far as events. So I'm really focused on San Diego right now because the big launch of Mary Shelley. But sure. um, I am going to go to the OC Children's Book Fair in October, and I will. Mo- I think I'll be at LA Comic Con as well this year. So. That's awesome. Yeah. So those are my next ones. And, uh, but, and I, I probably, oh, and then Origins 2 will be coming in October. So most likely that will be on Kickstarter in October. Um, because I, uh, I'm mainly, I think I'll, yeah, I think that's probably accurate. I'm not going to okay. guarantee it, but I think that's the plan as of right now. Sure. I mean, of course, it makes sense to launch a monster book in October, right? Just in time for spooky season. I mean, I had so much fun doing it in October <laughs> last year that I I would be sad if I had to not do it in October this year. I mean, so. you just you just have to. You can't yeah. do a monster book and not do it in October. You know, no, if, and there's if, like if possible. <laughs> it's really fun on Kickstarter in October too. I mean, everyone's launching cool spooky projects. Um, yeah. There's a lot of camaraderie, um, and you just get to see all the cool, creepy things. All your uh, you know, uh, peers are doing, which is great. And then there's a lot of pe- readers and fans out there who are wanting to get something spooky. So it, it is fun. It's a fun time in October. That's awesome. And I, I don't think I remember, or I don't think I knew that you did a story for Nightmare Theater. I know um, that was kind of when I started getting into indie comics. And I think my yeah. friend, my friend Don did one of the covers for Nightmare Theater. So that's, oh, cool. that's very cool. The first one? The first I, um, I don't remember. Don Nigan. I okay. He, okay. I don't remember which one it was. Oh, Don. Did. Don. Sorry. Yeah. I, said, I thought you said Don. I know Don. <laughs> Don Don's great. <laughs> he's like Don. He's he's an incredible guy. Yeah. He's a cool all, guy. All right. Well, I don't want to keep you much longer. Um. So we'll go roll into final thoughts. Um. What is a piece of advice that you'd give for an up and coming creator or someone who has the drive to want to create but is just afraid to start? What What's some advice you'd give? Well. Okay. So. If you've written or created something, my advice is to find a community who's also doing that kind of thing, whether it's online or close to home. Um, I know when I don't do that, when I didn't do that, it's a little harder to like create in a bubble. Um, And, but if you haven't actually started creating and you're nervous about it, I mean, the only thing I can advise is you have to do it. You have to start doing it. So what I would say is find an anthology, whether it's short stories or comics and look what their themes are um, and try to do one of those, um, you know, just get your feet wet, um, get started with something small. I think that's like usually the best way to jump into something. Yeah. That's, that's good yeah. advice. And to go, and go follow all the creators that you admire on social media and they'll, they might have newsletters where they give advice, which is helpful too. Um I have a tendency when I want to do something is to find like some people are doing it well and, and watch them because you can learn, you'll bring your own thing to it, but you know, see what they're doing, figure out how they approach it. It might make you feel a little bit more confident (laughs) to have like a roadmap of some kind, at least. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's good advice. All right. Um, where can people find you on social medias? Where can we stay, stay up to date on what's, what's coming from you? 
Um, on Instagram or Facebook, you can follow Wicked Tree Press. Um, you can also look up my website, which is wickedtreepress.com and check everything out there and join the newsletter if you want. That's the best way to stay connected with me. Um, I am on Twitter, but not very often. Um, so I'll just stick with Wicked Tree Press. On that, that works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm a Twitter tourist, I guess, is what I call myself. Yeah, yeah. me too. I, I have an account and I kind of, you know, I'll doom scroll through Twitter, but I, I'm not super active over there. Well, now everyone's jumping to all these other ones. And I'm just yeah. like, I haven't decided whether I'm going to do a threads not, or not. Because I'm like, isn't it just another? I know it's different, but it's like, okay, so it's connected to Instagram, Facebook. And I got three things connected to all three things. And I'm just like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, we, we could talk for days about threats. Yeah, so yeah, I haven't got in there, but I'm probably gonna go look at it this week at some point. But yeah, and sorry, what were you gonna say about Blue Sky? Well, I haven't done Blue Sky yet. I, oh. I just I can't decide because you know I've tried all those. Like I checked out all the new ones in the past, and now I'm kind of just like, I don't know. Do I want more social media in my life? <laughs> Yeah, it's almost like it's at the point now where if you're going to add more, you almost want to get rid of something else. But it's like, which one do you get rid of, you know? Yeah. And it feels like, I mean, for me, it should be Twitter. The only thing about that is I do like Twitter for comics. Um, yeah. However, it does seem like it, all the comics people are shifting. It's like, I feel like all the comics people want to leave Twitter, but they could try, don't exactly leave because it's they haven't found the place that's better, you know, yeah. for that. So that's hard. That's yeah. tough for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, um, for more about Feel Thy Weird or for Geek Network, you can go to geek-network.com. That's our website. Uh, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at GeeksAZ or at Geek Network on Facebook. I am CD is weird on Instagram. And like you, I spend more time on Instagram than Twitter. So we're just not even going to worry about Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the music for the shows by Polygon Horizon. You can check them out on Bandcamp and on social medias. Um, the artwork for the show is by my friends Chris Chandler and Mike Belcher. You can find them on Instagram and Twitter. And if you like the show, please rate and review and tell your friends because word of mouth is our friend. And remember, kids, to embrace the things that feel your weird and always geek responsibly. Jessica, thank you for coming today. Thanks for having me. 